Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. We approach your word, we approach it with reverence and with humility, thanking you for your word. We thank you for your spirit that lives big within us, believing and trusting that your spirit will bring forth the word and demonstration of the spirit and of power. I thank you, Father God, for receptive hearts. I thank you for attentive ears and open minds to receive this word in its fullness, that we may walk in the light of your word and be doers of the word and not hearers only. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Second <clears throat> Timothy, the first chapter in verse 7. Now that's what I want you to find, but I'm not going to start there. What I want to do is just one more time go over the script, go over the outline I gave you concerning answer to prayer. We're talking about the subject of prayer. We said that prayer is uniting forces with God, joining forces with God. You know, our spirits are contacting His Spirit, joining ourselves together with the force of life to change the circumstances or the situations around us. When we are wanting to change circumstances in our own individual life, personal life, then it's the prayer of petition and supplication using the force of faith to get that prayer to work. Faith makes prayer work. I've been saying that quite a bit. I'm going to give you a new phrase for faith makes prayer work. Saying makes praying work. Saying makes praying work. Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty three, He shall have whatsoever he saith. What shall he have? Whatsoever he saith. That's what he'll have. Saying then makes praying work because he said in the next verse, Therefore I say unto you, what things soever you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you shall have them. So, he was teaching us how to say it so our praying would be effective. Saying makes praying work. Okay? Is that clear? Now that's the force of faith that you're going to see will operate every prayer. Now regardless of what prayer you're praying. If you're praying the prayer of binding and loosing, faith makes it work. If you're praying the prayer of agreement, faith makes it work. If you are praying the prayer of intercession, faith makes it work. Now, what we are endeavoring to do is to break down the certain types of prayer that changes things. These are the four subdivisions of prayer that changes things. And we've been specifically talking about the individual's life, my own personal life, the prayer of supplication and petition. And these are the seven steps we gave you as an outline to answered prayer. Step number one, we said, was to decide what you want from God. Be decisive in what you want from God. You know, you need to be specific when you're, what you're praying about. 
someone comes to the altar and says, you know, I'm praying, I want God to do something for me. Well, what specifically do you want? Well, I don't know, I'm just praying that he would do something for me. Well, what do you really want him to do for you? I'm just praying that he'll do something in my life. What do you want him to do in your life? Be specific when you are praying to the Father God. We said you wouldn't send your kids to the grocery store and say, go buy groceries. They go down there with the shopping cart and they would get into the store and they look around that store and said, they said to buy groceries, but you know, what is it they want me to have or want me to buy, want me to get? There's a lot of groceries inside a grocery store. But when you're specific and say, get a loaf of bread and a half a gallon of milk and a dozen of eggs, then they'll go inside that store and get exactly what you've asked them to get. Well, the Father God has a lot to give to you. The Father God has a storehouse full of good gifts. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, from the Father of lights, in whom there is no variableness and neither shadow of turning. And so when you go to your Father in prayer, He said, be specific and whatever you want from me. So whatever you want from Him, be specific in your praying. Step number two, locate the scriptures that um, promise you the answer and meditate on them. Locate the scriptures that promise you the answer and meditate on them. I like something that Brother Hagin said. I never consider myself to know anything. I don't consider myself to really know anything. Every time I pray or any time I have a need from the Father, I always go to the scriptures like as though I've never read them before. And he spends most of his time finding all the scriptures that promises him the answer and, you know, he can quote them to you forwards and backwards, but yet he spends time finding the scriptures like as though he doesn't know it. Really, every Christian should have that, you know, attitude of humility, like as though, what do I know? I don't know anything. I thank God for what I do know, but I don't know much when I'm thinking about God and, you know, the, the omnipotence of God. When you think about the omniscience of God, when you think about the vastness of God, what do you know? I praise God for what I do know, but praise God, there's a whole lot more to learn about the Father, isn't there? And so approach the Scriptures with this attitude of humility. I don't care if you read it a million times. If you have a need, go to the Bible and find the Scriptures that promise you the answer. Look them up and meditate those Scriptures like as though you don't know anything. And praise God, you receive out of uh, the Word. You'll have a teachable spirit. Then thirdly, we said, ask the Father in the name of Jesus. And we put the emphasis on the fact that believers, instead of praying to the Father in the name of Jesus, they seem to be always praying to Jesus, not to the Father. And Jesus emphatically said, when you pray, pray to the Father in my name. Amen? And we should pray to the Father in the name of Jesus. Okay. These are the things to do up until the time you are to ask in prayer. Once you ask in prayer, you have some certain steps to follow. Step number four, believe that you receive. Jesus said, believe that you receive and you shall have. This is a very important step. When I ask the Father for whatever my need is, it is my obligation, it is my responsibility, it is my part to just believe that I have received my need met. When you go to the throne of grace to find, obtain mercy and find grace to help in your time of need, you are guaranteed that that throne is a throne of love gifts, a love of grace and a love of mercy. And if you are his child and you've come by the name of Jesus and by his blood, you are guaranteed a yea and an amen. For the, all the promises of God are yea and amen in Christ Jesus by us. Amen. And so I am to believe that if I asked him for healing in my body, 
I have received it in Jesus' precious name. Now, even though I have no sense evidence of it, even though it still looks like as though I'm sick, even though it still might feel like as though I'm sick, even though, you know, it may sound as though I am sick, I don't look at that. I look not at the things that are seen, but I look at the things that are not seen. Because the things that are seen, they can change. But bless God, the things that are not seen, they are eternal. And so, instead of being preoccupied with sense knowledge evidence, I am preoccupied with the word of my Father that says, It's granted unto you, so be it unto you, even as your faith is. Amen? So... Step number four is to believe that I've received my need met. Even though it doesn't look like it, I believe that I've got it and I thank the Father for it. Step number five was to eradicate, to uproot any thought, any suggestion, any imagination that is contrary to the fact that you have received your need met. That's when the good fight of faith starts, right there. There's where the fight of faith starts. And notice it's a fight of faith. It's not a fight of demons. It's not a fight of, you know, people. It's not a fight of churches or denominations, but it's the fight of faith. Sense knowledge evidence is endeavoring to turn off your switch of faith. But praise God, the Word, the Father, the Son, the Holy Ghost are, you know, endeavoring in your life to influence you to keep the switch of faith turned on. And if you keep the switch of faith turned on, then your faith will make the prayer work. In other words, you're saying that you have received it will make your praying effective. Amen. Do you follow that? Okay. That's step number five. Step number six is to continue to meditate the scriptures that promised you the answer. And continue to meditate the goodness of your heavenly father. Now, when you think about how good he is. When you think about his love for you. For the Lord is good. And his mercy endureth forever. When you begin to read about how endless his mercy is. When you begin to think about uh, His grace, His loving kindness, and His tender mercies, this produces an atmosphere of love within your spirit. And love makes faith work. The Bible says, faith which worketh by love. And as you begin to meditate that love, it's just the right climate, it's the right atmosphere for the seed of God's Word to produce inside your heart and to grow and faith to go into operation along with spiritual law to be the substance of the thing you hope for and to be the evidence of that which you've not yet seen. Amen? Okay. And step number seven is to offer praise and thanksgiving unto your Father even though you've not seen the manifestation. Even though it hasn't happened yet in this realm. But praise God, you just take the Word of God that says, I thank you, Father God, in, you know, Philippians 4, 6... I've come to you by prayer and supplication. And with thanksgiving, I'll let my request be made known unto you. I thank you, Father God, that you healed my body. I praise you, Father God, that you've healed my body. I thank you, Father God, that I can use this arm. I thank you, whatever the case might be. I'm just praising you and thanking you for your loving kindness and your tender mercies. And you'll get so wrapped up and caught up in the glory and the power of your omnipotent Father God that before you know it, that thing will be gone and you didn't even know when it happened. See? You see the difference? Between faith, faith, and hope. See, and doubt and unbelief. No, the Father wants you to praise Him beyond sense knowledge evidence. See, that's what it takes to receive your need met from the Father. And if you'll follow those seven steps, I know by, by God's holy word, you're going to get an answer to your prayer. I've told you many times before, we've done this time and time again. 
And it's never failed. It's never failed. Well, how can it? It's the Word of God. Love never fails. Amen? He's the author of life. He's the giver of good gifts. You are His child. And He said, Fear not, little flock. It's my desire and good pleasure to give unto you my kingdom. And all that He has is yours. And all that I have is His. Amen? What a relationship we have. What an awesome relationship to be called flesh of His flesh, bone of His bone, spirit of His spirit. Amen. Amen. This is our Father God. Oh, thank you, Father God. Well, now, we're going to go on. And uh, we're going to, really, we're going to go through an example. But we're going to introduce also another type of prayer uh, while we do this. The prayer of binding and loosing. Now, again, as I introduce to you this prayer of binding and loosing, I want you to realize that it's faith that makes the prayer work. It's saying that makes the praying work. Now, we're going to show you something about this scripture here in 2 Timothy 1.7, and we're going to use the prayer of binding and loosing for a purpose. I want to come down to your everyday lifestyle. I want to come down to where you live, okay, and begin to get results at home where you live. Now, 2 Timothy 1.7 says, For God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Now, there's a lot of people, a lot of Christians that are really, you know, being tortured and tormented by fear. You know, the Bible says that fear has torment, doesn't it? Fear has torment. And I told you this morning, the Christian has no business being caught with fear. God didn't give you the spirit of fear. We've got no business having the spirit of fear, right? And someone might come and say, you know, well, you know, brother, I just have this fear. Well, I mean to tell you, you wouldn't want to come and say, well, you know, dear brother, I've just got this gun. I'm going to rob the bank. You shouldn't talk like that. Or, you know, brother, I just got this bottle of alcohol. I'm just going to drink the whole thing as soon as the service is over. You shouldn't talk like that. Well, you know, brother, I got in my possession this old big bag of something and, you know, I'm going to take it after this. You wouldn't, you wouldn't want to talk like that, would you? Well, we've got no business talking about the spirit of fear. God didn't give you the spirit of fear. God didn't give me the spirit of fear. Where'd you get it from? What kingdom did it come from? Well, then you've got no business having the spirit of fear, do you? It's not from God. It's not a good gift. It's not a perfect gift. Fear has torment. And bless God, we don't need to be tormented in the body of Christ. Okay. Now, when people come that, that you know, are really tormented by fear, they want an instantaneous deliverance. And they think that if I can just get to somebody, somewhere, somehow, some great man of God, that if he'll pray this prayer over me, then praise God, I'll never, ever again be bothered by fear. You're mistaken. I don't care where you go. You, as long as you are living in the earth, the only way you're not going to be troubled by any demonic forces or by any influences from the outside is when you leave this earth suit and go off to be with the Lord. They are going to come around you. The Bible says they will gather together around you. But praise God, they don't have to come unto us. Although they are gathered around us, I've got a table prepared before me in the presence of mine enemies. Let them gather around me. But praise God, it will not trouble me. Amen? Which we'll go over some scriptures to teach you by God's word how to be free from the torment of fear. Okay. Let's go back. To Matthew's Gospel, the 16th verse. We are introducing now the prayer of binding and loosing. And remember, we're going to incorporate this into our teachings on prayer because what we want to do is to teach you how to use your faith to make prayer work in your life. 
And believe me, friends, when you learn this, you'll not be troubled by fear again. In the 16th chapter, Jesus, speaking to Peter, Matthew 16, verse 18. Well, let's start with verse 17. Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say, un I say also unto thee, that thou art Peter, and upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Okay, we're talking about the prayer of binding and loosing. I like to use and insert another word here that I think would, you know, be a little bit clearer to us and so we can understand it somewhat better. Let's say it like this. Whatsoever you allow on earth shall be allowed in heaven. And whatsoever you don't allow on earth shall not be allowed in heaven. Or, you know, we can just read some other translations of it and uh, come up with some other, you know, good, I think, meanings, better meanings that would uh, help us in understanding what he's saying. Whatsoever you refuse to be permitted in your life on the earth, God has already refused to allow it in heaven. But whatsoever you permit to happen in the earth, then God will permit it also from heaven. He's not going to stop it from happening if you permit it in your life. I think that's very important. When it comes to the prayer of binding and loosing, it's our responsibility to exercise our authority. Now, let's give you another scripture. In Mark's Gospel, the, seventh, or the third chapter, verse 20. Well, let's start with verse 23, I think it is. <clears throat> 23. And he called them unto him and said unto them in parables, How can Satan cast out Satan? And if a kingdom be divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. And if a house be divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan rise up against himself and be divided, he cannot stand but hath an end. No man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he will first bind the strong man. And then he will spoil his house. See, Jesus even had to bind the strong man. Jesus had to bind the strong man. This is Mark 3. Mark the third chapter, verses 23 through 26 or 27. In verse 27 again, no man can enter into a strong man's house and spoil his goods except he will first bind the strong man. Now realize that the spirit of fear comes from Satan's kingdom. And as a believer, you have been delivered from the authority of that kingdom or from the power of that kingdom. But unless we use our authority to bind the strong man, to bind his forces to bind the spirit of fear 
and take authority over that spirit of fear and loose the angels of God and give them charge to dispel these forces of darkness, then nothing will be done concerning your deliverance from the spirit of fear. Sometimes I think we want to sit back and let God do everything. But I want you to know that he said to Peter, I'm giving you the authority. I want you to bind on earth that's already bound out of heaven. And you to loose on earth that which is already loosed out of heaven. Okay, so it's very important that we realize that as a believer, when it comes to these certain areas, and really you're going to find out that it's every area in your life, it is our responsibility to use the authority we have as a believer against these forces that surround us. I thank God for instantaneous miracles. But beloved, instantaneous miracles can be lost if the person doesn't learn how to use his authority and how to use the Word of God. And that's really where the problem lies in a lot of people losing their healing. They came and got healed on somebody else's faith. They came and got delivered by a gift of the, of the Spirit, a gift of healing. And I praise God for that. But they walked away and within two or three years later, the symptoms began to come back on them. And so what they did was, instead of using their authority against the devil and saying, No, bless God, I was delivered, I am healed, and you'll not put them symptoms back on my body again. Now get in Jesus' name. They walked off and said, Well, I thought I was healed. I guess I'm not. It looks like I'm not healed. And beloved, when that thing comes back on you, it's harder to get rid of it the second time. Because you've made an open door for the enemy to come in. And settle down inside your body. And we don't want that. We've got to learn. Be wise as a serpent. Be harmless as a dove. But you've got to learn to use the wisdom of God concerning the forces of darkness that are ever endeavoring to destroy your life. Fight that good fight of faith and don't faint. Lay hold on eternal life. Grab a hold of it and take it before us. And don't allow these forces of darkness to overcome you. Okay. Now, let's look at one more scripture in Matthew the 18th chapter concerning binding and loosing. And just, just to give you the scriptures here. And uh, we'll give you one more scripture after this one. Matthew 18, 18. Verily I say unto you, Whatsoever you shall bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Notice he puts the responsibility on the believer. Whatsoever you shall bind, whatsoever you shall loose. Now, here's the choice that we really have. We can be bound or we can bind the strong man. You can be bound by the spirit of fear or you can be binding the strong man in the spirit of fear and you can be loosed from the spirit of fear. Now, let me give you one more scripture before we go into it right now. Proverbs 6.2 says, Thou art taken by the words of thy mouth. Thou art snared by the words of thy mouth. Thou art taken captive by the words of thy mouth. Now, remember we said that uh, saying makes praying work. Saying makes praying work. Faith makes prayer work. Well, if thou art taken captive or if thou art bound by the words of thy mouth... Listen to the individual that has not learned of his authority in Christ. Now, brother, I seem to be bound by the spirit of fear. And no matter how many times I've been prayed for, no matter how many times people lay hands on me, I can't seem to get rid of this spirit of fear. It's always, you know, binding me up. 
I'm always bound by this spirit of fear. I have a fear of this, I have a fear of that. And I just can't seem to get rid of this fear. I can't seem to be delivered from this fear. Well, thou art taken by the words of thy mouth. Thou art snared by the words of thy mouth. Or taken captive by the words of thy mouth. You said that when you were prayed for, and the person rebuked the spirit of fear, you said that you were not delivered. When you said it, you were defeated. You are taken captive by the words of your mouth. Your confession, by the confession of your doubt and unbelief, not believing and refuting God's word, you were taken captive by the words of your mouth. Your confession held you in bondage. Your confession kept you captive. Now, on the other hand, you can have another person. And they'll come and say, pray for me, brother. And when you do, I will be delivered from the spirit of fear. For God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. And I believe that when you pray, I will be delivered. And I'll never again be bothered by the spirit of fear, because I won't allow him in my life. I refuse to allow him in my life. And the Bible says, whatsoever you refuse to allow, God will refuse to allow. Amen? And so he comes to the altar, and you pray the prayer of faith, and you say, well, bless God, brother, you are delivered. And he walks up and says, yes, glory be to God, I'm delivered from the spirit of fear. Fear has no power over me. I'll never be bound by the spirit of fear again. And in Jesus' mighty name, all you got to do is resist the spirit of fear and it will flee from you. Okay. Now you see what I'm saying. But what is making the prayer work? Your faith. Your saying is making the prayer work. It's the, the prayer doesn't work by itself. Faith makes the prayer work. See? But sense knowledge evidence begins to pick its way at you. You know... It begins to gnaw away little bit by little bit by little bit. And the devil tries to, you know, finagle you into a position whereby he can just very slowly get you back to confessing the wrong thing. Like, you know, well, I was afraid of this and I was afraid of that. And then you begin to, you know, listen to your confession and realize, why am I saying that? What's going on in my life? So you begin to let your faith slip. You begin to faint. Little by little, you begin to give up your confession. The Bible says, hold fast to your confession without wavering. Lay hold on eternal life. Whereunto thou art also called and profess a good profession before many witnesses, before the throne of God, before the men on the earth, before the demons of hell. Your confession should be, no, God's not give me the spirit of fear. No, I'll not be bound by the spirit of fear. Fear hath torment, but God's given me love. And perfect love casts out all fear. I have a sound mind. And bless God, fear will not overcome me. It may gather round about me, but it will not come nigh unto me. It will not overcome me, for I have power over the spirit of fear. I refuse to be dominated by it or influenced by it in Jesus' name. And that fear cannot come and manipulate your life. See? I don't care if you've been prayed for by the best, like some say. I've been prayed for by the best, but with no results. Beloved, you can change your own destiny. Beloved, you can get results by your own prayer. Amen? And really, that's what we're to teach, is the people how to have faith in their own faith. Amen? Praise God, because that's what's going to be long-lasting. Okay, now let's just do some of these steps. Let's take some of these steps now, and let's just begin to talk about this thing called fear. God didn't give me the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. That's what our scripture was. Okay? He gave me power. You compare that with 1 Corinthians, the 12th chapter. It's the power chapter. He gave me Power. That's the power chapter. The gifts of the Spirit. Power chapter. Okay? Okay? He gave me power. He gave me love. That's 1 Corinthians 13 chapter. The love chapter. Love chapter. The love chapter. 
Okay, he, perfect love, cast out all fear. By power, I can cast out fear. And he gave me a sound mind. That's 1 Corinthians, the 14th chapter. He gave them instruction as to how to use the gifts. He gave them instruction, you see, how to use the gifts, how to use the power, how to use the love of God, how to walk in that love of God. Now, these are the things we need to understand. You take that scripture, like we said, that promises you the answer. Okay? Now let's find another scripture. That's one, to go, that's one good one to chew on and meditate for a long time that God hasn't given you the spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. You can sit back in your easy chair and say, okay, He's given me love. Perfect love casts out all fear. Love endures long and is patient and kind. That's me. And praise God, love takes no account of the evil done to it, pays no attention to a suffered wrong. Love sees no evil, thinks no evil, and speaks no evil. Praise God, I love, I love my enemies. I don't, I don't curse those that, that uh, I don't bless the, curse those that curse me. I bless those that curse me. I speak well of those that curse me. And because I speak well of them, bless God, the spirit of fear has no power over me because I'm not walking in His territory. I'm walking in the love of God. And bless God, when I walk in His love, I keep myself from sin. And when I keep myself from sin, the wicked one toucheth me not. Now, we're just, we're just doing a little meditating here, see? That's a good meditation, isn't it? Okay, now that's just one scripture. Now go to Isaiah, the 41st chapter. Let's look at another one. I gave you these this morning, but let's go over them now. Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Now, if you want to be free from fear, you need to get the scriptures that promise you the answer. That tell you why not to fear. I mean, don't take my word for it that you don't have to fear. Let's take God's word for it. God said in His word in Isaiah, the 41st chapter, verse 10, Fear thou not. Fear thou not. Oh, but Lord, you don't understand what I'm going through. Fear thou not. But Lord, you don't know what my situation is dictating to me. Fear thou not. But you don't know what the circumstances are. Be independent of circumstances. Fear thou not. But Father, you don't understand. I understand. I've been there before. Don't you remember? I, Jesus died on a cross for you. He's touched with the feeling of your infirmities. Well, who's going to help me, Lord? How am I going to stand out into the end? Who's going to uphold me? Well, let's listen from our Father. Fear thou not, for I am with you. Oh, for the I am is with you. Who are you walking down the street with? The I am. I am is with me. Is there any need to fear when I am is with you? Praise God. Has He taken up residence inside you? He's with you. Okay. Be not dismayed, for I am thy God. I will strengthen you. That's why you don't need to fear. Fear not. Why? Because I am is with you. Because I will strengthen you. Because I will help you in every endeavor. Well, how am I going to hold on to the end? Someone says, oh, I'd like to pray that prayer of faith business, but who's going to hold me up to the end? I will uphold you with the right hand of my righteousness. Fear not. Fear not. I am is with you. He will uphold you. He will strengthen you. He will help you. Okay? Meditate that for a while. Isaiah 43. Verse 1. Oh, do you love the first words? But now thus saith the Lord that created thee. Not your neighbor. Not your doctor that checked you out. Not your banker that checked out your finances. Not your lawyer. But thus saith the Lord that created you. Well, what did he say? O Jacob and he that formed thee, O Israel, fear not. Oh, hallelujah. There's a reason not to fear. 
Fear not, for I have redeemed thee. See, that's referring to us because we've been redeemed also. Amen. It's the same God that created us and redeemed us. For I have redeemed thee. I have called thee by my name. In other words, you are in my family. You are my kin. Praise God. Fear not. I am one with you. You are one with me. Jesus says, I and them, thou and me, that they, all, we all may be made perfect in one. Okay? I've called you by my name. When you pass through the waters, you say it's getting, oh, Father God is getting knee deep. It's getting waist deep. Oh, I'm up to my neck now, Father God. What does he say? When you pass through the waters, when the waters and the rainstorms of life seem to come over your way, and it seems like you're going to sink, you're going to go under, fear not, for I have redeemed thee. I've called you by my name. And when you pass through the waters, I have delivered you. I'll be with you. There's no sinking when God's by your side. Although the water came up to Peter's chin, bless God, Jesus was right there by his side. He did not sink. Amen. Amen. I will be with thee. And through the rivers, they shall not overflow thee. Hallelujah. They won't overflow. It may look like it, but don't go by what you see. They won't overflow you as long as I am with you. Okay? When... You walk through the fire, thou shalt not be burned, neither shall the flame kindle upon thee. When the three Hebrew children were in the burning fire furnace, they held fast to their confession of faith, and they said, The Lord God that we serve will deliver us out of your hand, O king. And if you throw us into the fire, he will deliver us and set us free. Well, what happened? When they passed through the fire, because they did not yield and bow their knee under the false image of the king, because they would not refute their belief in the word of the living God, bless God, he said, when you pass through the fire for my name's sake, fear thou not, I will be with you, and there will not any smoke harm you, burning harm you. You're not even come out of that place with a smell of smoke on you. Bless God, for I am is with you. That's a reason, bless God, not to fear. Don't fear. You see what he's saying here? I'll tell you what, this is going to make us spiritual giants. Never have a problem with the spirit of fear when you begin to do this. Okay, let's look at another scripture. Isaiah 54. You're there in Isaiah. Locate the scriptures. Somebody say, I don't know how to do it. Well, just sit back. I'm giving you a lesson how to do it. I mean, this is spoon feeding, isn't it? You talk about feeding, you know, the flock with a spoon. Hallelujah. That's what this is doing. We're having our own session right now. We're back in our easy chairs and we're meditating on the Word of God. Isaiah, the 54th chapter. Oh, praise God. Let's look at um, verse 13. And all thy children shall be taught of the Lord, and great shall be the peace of thy children. In righteousness shalt thou be established. Thou shalt be far from oppression... For thou shalt not fear. And from terror it shall not come near thee. Why not? Verse 17. No weapon formed against you can prosper. No weapon formed against you shall prosper. And every tongue that rises against you in judgment you'll condemn. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord and their righteousness is of me, saith the Lord. That's why. Because that weapon cannot overcome you. When fear gathers round about you, it will not come nigh unto you because you are the righteousness of God in Christ and any tongue that rises up against you in judgment is condemned and no weapon formed against you can prosper. And all these weapons were formed. These are darts formed of the devil 
designed to destroy your faith. But when you lift up the shield of faith, it'll quench every fiery dart of the devil. It'll quench every missile of the devil. It'll quench every weapon of the devil when you walk by faith. Okay, now, let's look at another one. Psalm 27.1 tells you why not to fear. Psalm 27.1 tells you why not to fear. Oh, he gets a little bit more explicit here. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? He asked the question. Whom shall I fear? It didn't say that the United States government and the, and the armies of the United States of America are my shield and my buckler. It says, but the Lord is my light, my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life, whom shall I be afraid? Even when the wicked, mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though a host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing I've desired of the Lord that I will seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life and behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. For in the time of trouble, He shall hide me in His pavilion. In the secret of His tabernacle shall He hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. And my head, He shall, and now shall my head be lifted up above my enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in His tabernacle uh, sacrifices of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. Who shall I fear? Although the enemy would gather round about me. What did he say? He'll do. Hide me in his pavilion. In his secret place. And lift up my head above my enemies. So I don't have to fear. See? He didn't say they wouldn't gather round about you. They will. But they won't come nigh in thee. They won't overcome you. He says, I will hide you in my pavilion. Okay? 46 Psalm is another one. <clears throat> Beautiful illustration of the protection of God. God is our verse 1 God is our refuge and our refuge and strength a very present help in trouble therefore therefore we will not fear hallelujah he's very present a very present help in the time of trouble he's our refuge and strength therefore we will not fear. Now look at, the, look at what he wasn't going to be fearful of. Though the earth be removed, though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters be troubled, uh, waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, Selah. In other words, meditate on that one. And here's what he said. Although it seems as though the world was moved from beneath you, although the earth was removed and you were hanging in limbo, Although it says it seems like as though your whole world was wiped away, God is present. He's a refuge and strength. And beneath you are His everlasting arms. There's no need to fear. There's no need to fear. You think about that one for a while. That'll really give you something to meditate on. Even though this whole earth just, just did a number and just removed from beneath us. The psalmist says we won't fear. Because beneath us, the everlasting arms of the Father... And what could be worse than that? What could be worse than that? Now think about it. These are things to meditate on. Chew on these things for a while. Luke 12, 32 said, Fear not, little flock. It's your Father's good pleasure to give unto you the kingdom. 
See, think about that one. Hebrews 13, let's look at that one. A couple more and then we'll move on. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. <clears throat> Let your conversation be without covetousness, and be content with such things as you have, for he hath said. For he hath what? Who said? Who said? God said. What did God say? I will never leave you. Does God lie? Nor forsake you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. Lo, I am with you always. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That you may boldly say. Saying makes praying work. What would you say? The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Say it with me. The Lord is my helper. I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Why can I say that? Because he says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And when God said it, that settles it, friends. He will never leave you nor forsake you that you may boldly say. See, you were saying that I'm bound up by this and that. When you should have been saying, the Lord's my helper. I won't fear what man shall do unto me. See, we can't, you know, operate contrary to God's word system and expect deliverance and help. We've got to cooperate with him. You know, we've got to work together with his plan, with his word system. He upholds all things by the word of his power. And as we put his word in our mouth and in our hearts. Now remember, there's a confession of your lips. There's a confession of your heart. When the confession of your lips is in total agreement with the confession of your heart. And these two embrace the word of God. In other words, your heart saying the same thing that your mouth is saying, and they're both, you know, working together. Then they speak God's word forth. You become an invincible force and power of God in the earth, for God in the earth. And His word and the power in that word is released out of you to cause things to take place in this earth. God works and upholds things by the word of His power. He upholds you and your life by the word of His power. And when you begin to speak the word of His power, bless God, it changes circumstances around you and it keeps the enemy in His place and it keeps the things of God in its place in your life. Okay? One more scripture. John 14, 27. Now, I've only given you a few scriptures concerning fear. You need to look you know, more up to convince your own spirit man why you don't have to fear. In other words, the world's dictating to you a thousand and one reasons why you should fear. The news tells you because unemployment is higher than it's ever been before. Uh, the newspaper is telling you because of all the murders, the rapes, and all the things that are going on, the drugs and alcohol in your school systems. The news media is giving you all kinds of things uh, whereby you should fear. And your friends are telling to you, you know, things that would cause you to fear. And the devil, you know, is speaking things to you that cause you to fear. Now, this is really amazing, but, you know, it's, it's, it's something when you can actually say that, you're, that the world is in a recession and you haven't taken part of it. We've decided to stay out of it. 
Someone said to me the other day, I am sure that your church is just as hard hit as everybody else's church. And I'm just as sure that you're having many, many problems, you know, so on and so forth, you know, because of the economy, because the system. I says, I didn't know anything about it. Amen. We walk by faith and not by sight. God didn't go bankrupt. He owns all the cattle on a thousand hills. He owns all the silver and all the gold. And we're operating in his system. I don't know what you're talking about. They just look at you, you know, like, a, like an old cow at a new gate. They don't know what to do. Just looking, you know, which way do I, what am I going to do now? But you think about it. We don't have to join in, right? We don't have to listen to all the fear, all the worry, all the anxiety. If they can give you a thousand reasons why you should fear, I can give you 365 in the Word of God that tells you why you don't have to fear. One would be enough. But 365, I mean, that, that suffices every day. That's enough for every day of the year, amen? That means every day of the year, if I just take one of those scriptures, I don't have to fear. And there's one to, to meet every single need in our lives. There's no need to fear. He'll never leave you nor forsake you that you may boldly say, I won't fear what man shall do unto me. And Jehovah is the strength of my life. Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? He's my light. He's my direction. He's my wisdom. He's my guidance. Bless God. He's my health. He's my healing. He's my all in all. He's my provider and everything else. Why should I fear? I'm in this world, but I'm not living according to the world system. Amen. So praise God, we're not joining in on the recession. This is just a time, a better time to prove that God's word is so. This is a time to really go and do some exploits for God. Hallelujah. Because everybody will take note and see that God is working in the midst of his people when everybody else seems to be going that under. So let everybody else, you know, sink and, and fall under. Though a thousand fall at your side and ten thousand at your right hand, it won't come nigh unto you. Amen. Don't fear those things. The Bible says fear the Lord, your maker. Fear God. Amen? Okay. Well, John 14, 27 says, Peace I'll leave with you, my peace I give unto you. Not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, and neither let it be afraid. Now, see, you shouldn't have let your heart be afraid. But you did because you listened to the devil, the world, and the flesh, and you didn't listen. You know, you listened to the newscast and didn't listen to the word of God. Now, I don't know about you, but I, I'll tell you what. There's something to be concerned about that's going on in the earth right now, whether you know it or not. How many of you know that Reader's Digest put out uh, a condensed Bible, leaving out 40% of the Bible? 40%. Of, how many of you know that? Well, I don't know about you. But the Bible says if one word is deleted from the word of this prophecy, those that are the instigators of it shall have their names blotted out of the book of life. The day that you are living in, beloved, is a day I believe that wickedness is getting to its ultimate low. And the darkness is growing darker. I mean, men at one time had a fear, whether they believed it or not, to touch that holy writ. But even those who supposedly are supposed to understand things concerning the Bible and, and, and you know, writings and publications no longer have a fear of tampering with the word of the living God. It will not 
be unnoticed by the Father of glory. I guarantee you by God's holy word, they will be judged for what they have done. And you mark, that's the truth. They will be judged for what they have done. And as, as, a, as a minister and, and as, a, as a pastor, I would advise you don't even, buy, don't even look at one for any reason, for any purpose. Don't ever promote it. I bet the only thing that it's good for is to throw away. When do we ever think that we could take over God's word and put in that? That Bible was inspired by holy men, by the Spirit of God, as they were inspired by holy men to write that word of God. And there's every word that's in there supposed to be in there. Amen? Enough said. So it should alert our attention to the fact that God, ungodliness and wickedness and depravity is just getting so bad right now around us that praise God, you better believe the church is growing in light and light and getting lighter and lighter and brighter and brighter. There's not, there's not one reason to fear any of this stuff that's going on. But I think the saddest thing about that, what I've just said, and I'll get off of it, the saddest thing about it is that many so-called prominent ministers of the gospel have promoted this Bible and endorsed it. And if you want to read it, get Time Magazine. Um, October 4th, October issue of Time Magazine. And you look it up and you'll see the names of the ministers that have actually endorsed and promoted the use of this Bible in the church. And you'll be amazed. You get it and you read it. These are men that are on television and radio supposedly ministers of the gospel. Enough said. But I just thought I'd give you that word of truth, word of warning concerning the, day, the days and the generation that we live in. Okay, so there's no need to fear. He has, he has left us His peace. He's given us His peace. And there's no need for us to fear. Don't let your heart be troubled. Now we take all these scriptures and we make a decision in our lives that we will not fear. We take the Word of God and we bind that spirit of fear. This is the prayer of binding and loosing. If you've been troubled by fear, uh, if you've had worries or fears of, of you know, your children getting involved in drugs at school, if you have feared uh, you know, losing your home, if you have a, ha had a fear haunting you know, over you uh, concerning you know, your, your kids getting involved in, in uh, wrong things or bad habits, and this, any, anything like anything that is dictating fear to your senses. I suggest that you do this very thing. You take all these scriptures, you begin to quote them, you begin to say them, you begin to ponder them, you begin to act like you've never read them before, and you begin to meditate upon these scriptures, and you build with inside your inner man a sense of, of faith, you know, concerning all these issues of life that we're talking about. And as you do, you take God's word and use the name of Jesus and get to a place that you're ready to have your, you know, prayer faith prayed, and you take authority over that spirit of fear. Now remember, we said that the prayer will not work by itself. It takes faith to make the prayer work. Because once you've prayed, I guarantee you right around the corner, some thought or some imagination or something's going to come your way to dictate that fear back on you. And uh, it just may be something like, you know, a newspaper article. It may be a television or a radio broadcast. It, and I sat, I'll tell you what, it's sad to say, this may be a Christian program that you're listening to when it happens. That's right. You know, I, anywhere it comes from, I don't care where it comes from. You know, Satan influenced Peter to speak something to Jesus that Jesus didn't like and said, get thee behind me, Satan, didn't he? 
I don't care where it comes from. You better believe that when you get on the Word of God and you put your faith out there and you begin to operate in faith, you have enemies that will come against your faith to get you back under the bondage of fear. And that's why he's given you power, love, and a sound mind. And you take the authority of the name of Jesus and the power vested in that name. And you resist the devil in Jesus' name. And he will flee from you. And you stand up the shield of faith. And you keep it operative. And you keep it up there. And you quench every fire and dark that comes your way concerning the subject of fear. And refuse to allow your heart to be afraid. And when you do, you won't have any problem with fear anymore. But unless you feed your spirit man these scriptures... You're fighting a battle without a foundation. But once you build up a solid foundation, bless God, you will no longer have any problems with fear. Well, praise God. Amen. Now, I think that I'd like to get into another one, but we're not going to take the time to do that because this is the prayer of agreement. Um, and we'll just take another, I think, take another service to get into the prayer of agreement. Just take, you know, one at a time now. It won't be as much time involved on these other ones because we've got the foundation in our first um, prayer. The prayer of petition and the prayer of supplication. But now remember, you're going to use those principles no matter what the prayer might be. If it's a prayer of agreement, you're going to use the same principles to get your faith to make your prayer to work. When it comes to the prayer of intercession, praying for somebody else, you're going to find out that it's the prayer, that it's the saying or your faith that's going to make the prayer work. Okay? Now, I really want to get into intercession. I thought I'd get into it tonight, but we're not. I really want to get into intercession because people are really getting to a place of discouragement because they pray for somebody else and they don't get results. They don't see results. Because they don't know how to use their faith when they pray the prayer of intercession. You know, it's a little bit more difficult when you're praying for somebody else. And that's why it takes... I think it takes more stability in calling things which be not as though they were and in seeing the, the, the work done in somebody else's life you know, than it does for your own self because you know where you're at in God. But you don't know where they're at in God. But we're going to you know, expound on, on these two here types of prayer uh, next Sunday, probably Sunday morning or Sunday night. So, say it with me again. Faith makes prayer work. Let's all stand and say it again. Faith makes prayer work. Say it this way. Saying makes praying work. Say it again. Saying makes praying work. All right, say it with me. God's not giving me the spirit of fear. I need not fear. He never leaves me, nor forsakes me. So I boldly say, God is my helper. I will not fear what man would do unto me. Okay, see, that's the prayer. Use the prayer of binding and losing. To bind that thing if it, if it come. And remember, use the force of faith to enforce your prayer and make it work. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. 
If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.